Teal Talk Radio, Season 4, Episode 7. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 7 of TL Talk Radio, a podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. Hello. So really excited. We have a, a, um, a guest, Susie Boss, who was with us in Season 2, Episode 30, who recently published All Together Now, How to Engage Your Stakeholders in Reimagining School. Um, and we're really excited because this is a book that we can really connect to with our work, with our profile of a graduate, and our learning beliefs. So um, welcome back, Susie. Thanks so much for the invitation. Susie's a writer and educational consultant focused on the power of teaching and learning to improve lives and transform communities. She's the author of several popular books for education, uh, some of those including Bringing Innovation to School, Reinventing Project-Based Learning, Setting the Standard for Project-Based Learning, and The Power of a Plant, co-authored with Stephen Ritz. She also writes regularly for Edutopia and the Stanford Social Innovation Review. Inspired by teachers who push the boundaries of the traditional classroom, Susie consults with schools internationally that are ready to shift away from tests and textbooks and engage learners in real-world problem-solving. And Susie shared with us this morning that she is um, wrapping up our podcast and then getting on a plane to head over to India uh, to talk about project-based learning. Um, so really exciting work. Yep, very much so. I just feel very privileged to be doing the work that I'm doing right now. Well, and we feel privileged to have this opportunity to speak with you about this really exciting resource. We really enjoyed this book because I, th I think it fills a gap in a lot of us, for a lot of us that are trying to do this transformative work. Um, and what I really appreciated was how you approached the, the work through inquiry with each chapter organized around a big question. So to kick this off, can you talk to us about the big question behind the, the book itself and what prompted you to ask those chapter questions? Sure. And I appreciate your, your kind words. I think the last time we spoke, I was just in the middle of researching. Yes. Mm -hmm. So really, this book grew out of um, situations I have seen repeatedly. As you mentioned, I consult with a lot of schools that are looking to make a shift. Um, often my focus is project-based learning. Sometimes it's design thinking. Um, I'm doing some work in India around the maker movement. So whatever that shift is, we will often get off to a kind of a rip-roaring good start with a cohort of um, the willing, you know, teachers who are eager to get started, be the pioneers, be the innovators in their community. And then what I've noticed that is that if, if the whole school community, and by community I mean really broadly, including students, teachers, parents, business partners, if they don't understand the intent of this initiative, if they're not part of the conversation about why is this worth doing, how will we do it, that, that early enthusiasm can just hit a wall. Um, sometimes there are workarounds, sometimes you can push through that, but it occurred to me that it shouldn't be that hard. Um, it, what if, you know, I guess that was my, my big question, what if you started on a, a path to some sort of um, school change or transformation, if you will, by engaging the whole community, what would that look like? So I went looking for examples through my own, uh, I'm a big believer in inquiry after spending a career in project-based learning. So, you know, I guess it was my questions 
um, that were guiding me to find uh, communities that were doing this work and doing it successfully and what could we learn from them. So um, certainly you've had an opportunity to learn a lot through those communities and what they were doing successfully. As you indicate in the book, the idea of transformation is associated with many different names or initiatives. So what would you say are the qualities of the transformation you and many others envision for our educational system? And how, do the, how does a community support those qualities or what is that role of the community in that transformation? Sure. And, you know, I think we're, we're really looking at a big challenge here because school, as we know it, is very familiar to most of us. The, the model of school that we have in our heads is familiar to our stakeholders. Everybody's an expert in education because everybody went to school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, starting these conversations, you're bringing everyone's prior experiences, school as they knew it. So why should that change at all if, if today's adults, you know, have found their way to some success in the world or, or uh, you know, certainly competent at managing their life. Why do we need to change anything with this um, kind of revered model? And I think that the, the, per- the, the push for transformation is coming from a few, um, you know, different, you know, a few vectors are coming together here. One is just the needs and realities of our learners today. Um, this is something I heard from a number of communities. I know we're going to talk about some examples, but in Pittsburgh in, in particular, there was a general consensus among everybody who was working with students um, and young people, whether that was in formal or informal settings, that we're just, we just seem to be connecting with our students in the way that we used to. What's different? What's changing here? So how is the digital learner um, perhaps a... Uh, different kind of student with some different needs. But I think not just the, the um, comfort and familiarity with finding information, creating content online, you know, all the things that we know are happening in our kind of our I generation. You know, kids have some capabilities that they don't have to um, wait for a teacher to guide them, um, you know, to information. They can find out things that they want on their own. They can create things on their own, connect with people on their own, etc. But at the same time, we're seeing what I think are some really concerning numbers around student engagement. Mm-hmm. So if our digital learners are a little different than students used to be, they're not maybe finding their passions. They're not finding the connection um, to school and that, that kind of um, the engagement graph is just kind of a steady decline. You know, kids run into school all excited as little kindergartners, first graders, and then somehow the energy just drains out of them. And by the time, um, you know, their high school engagement continues to drop. And, and I think that's really concerning. So that's one reason. Just what are the, the needs and realities of today's learners? What are they looking for? You know, there's a, a whole brewing student voice movement, which I think is really exciting. So what if they were partners in the transformation? So I think that's kind of one big um, force for change. Mm-hmm. And that's just the, you know, the reality of the world that our kids um, are part of and are increasingly going to be shaping as young adults and mature adults. And we know from the business world that it's a different situation than yesterday's generation or grandparents' generation. Um, you know, we know that the idea of going to work for an employer and staying there for the long haul is sort of a bit of mythology at this mm-hmm, point, mm-hmm. you know? We all know this. Yeah, we've talked about that. You know, I, I've yeah. been in this district my whole career, and that's just not going to be the future for, right. for our learners now. Yeah. And, and even for today's adults, you know, there's, um, might be the exception for staying put, you know, over the long haul. Um, so, you know, the realities of the world 
as they're entering. They need to be able to um, work in effective teams. That's just one of the big pushes, um, you know, of today's world, whether it's on the corporate side or whether it's in uh, coming together around community problem solving, um, students as active, or, you know, young people, young adults as active participants in their democracy. All that requires a set of skills of, you know, collaboration, communication, critical thinking, those 21st century skills. Um, and, and then I think that the third leg here, so we've got our student community, the realities of the world, and we've got a system that's kind of resistant to change. It's really good at maintaining um, the practices that have always been there. Mm -hmm. So those three forces are coming together um, to set us up for, you know, some uh, something's bound to happen, I think, with that much uh, change of foot and obstacles to change. So one of the things that I connect really with is this idea of student voice, and that's something that Lynn and I have really focused a lot more on, I'd say, in, in the last year or two, uh, and we want to focus more on this year, too. We had some really interesting conversations with some of our high school students last year, and we really want to harness that um, and help that fuel some of the transformation that's going on here. And it's, you know, the premise of your book about involving all those different parts of the community and, and helping them understand what does this transformation look like? How, how do we want to define this? And when people have that say and have that voice, they tend to own things a little bit better. And and then the transformation picks up and builds yeah, momentum. Yeah, it's, you know, it's exciting to hear that you're, you know, really paying attention to student voice and biting it, you know, uh, letting kids know that you want to hear what they have to say and that their ideas are going to matter. They're just dying for that sort yeah. of, it. it's a form of respect, really, yeah. that I think. And it's really exciting because we learn something every time we have a conversation. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's breaking that that idea like we know um, as leaders or as the adults in the community, and we're we're equals when we have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really yeah. uh, enlightening. Right. And in in your book, you share lots of examples of transformation and lots of examples of transformation of how community. Uh, helps to fuel that transformation. So what are, what are some of your favorites? And talk to us about how community uh, really has identified those as being special kinds of examples. Sure. You know, you know there are many, including your own district, mm -hmm. um, where I know you're doing some, um, some interesting sorts of outreach and shadowing students and that kind of thing. A few that, that really stood out to me um, and that I, I kind of tell their story throughout the book. One is the um, Remake Learning um, Initiative in Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. um, which began, uh, the catalyst was from outside education. It was a foundation and a foundation leader um, who was learning about, you know, how can I connect with this community? What are the issues here? And what kept bubbling up was this concern about we're not connecting with kids. Mm -hmm. And just from informal conversations, I think they started with pancake breakfast. Um, that's a really vibrant network now and kind of an innovation hub that a lot of um, other, other communities are coming to take a look at um, as they, um, uh, they like to say in Pittsburgh, what's in the water here is the question people are wondering. How do you get people from such diverse background. So you've got technologists, you've got gaming companies, um, you've got librarians, you've got museum staff, you've got parents, you've got um, everybody who touches the lives of students coming together and thinking about how can we partner? What could we create together? And that's creating all kinds of interesting um, uh, innovations and pilot projects and 
you know, opportunities to test what might work better for students. And then if, if uh, the results are good, think about how could we scale this across the communities. It's really shifting uh, the conversation in a big way, but then leading to um, very practical actions. Mm-hmm. If we want school to change, let's start seeing what works and then let's pay attention to that. Let's tell those stories. So they really have become, I think there's something like 2000 organizations that are part of this network now. It's pretty amazing. And and they're also really good at telling their stories. Um, they have a platform for storytelling, for kind of sharing. They published something called their playbook uh, to, again, disseminate the what works strategies. Um, so I, I think those are, are exciting developments. That's one to certainly visit, keep an eye on, um, you know, take a look maybe at their their online resources. Another one that um, I was just delighted to learn about is called Iowa Big, B-I-G. It's in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. This is a high school unlike any that I've run across. And I've been to some interesting high schools in my, um, uh, you know, various experiences around the globe. Um, this one draws students from a diverse region. I think there are seven different um, theater districts whose students can choose to attend this high school. The, the whole focus of the high school is let's start with interesting problems, real problems in our community that our students want to tackle in partnership with a nonprofit or a government agency or a business partner. Then let's build the curriculum into those projects. So it's very much about uh practical applications of learning, um, some pretty tough concepts along the way, um, because for some of the problem solving students have to get very deep into becoming scientists or statisticians, um, architects, you know, whatever the project calls for. Also giving them opportunities to work um, alongside and in partnership with adults. So they're getting those real role models very close, uh, you know, to their daily experience. They're not separate from the work that's happening in their community. They're just embedded in it. Um, they work in, in sort of a, um, oh, a business incubator sort of hub. That's where the school's located. So they're getting that vibe every day. Here's the world we're heading into. And there's actually a place for us in this world already. And there are ways we can use our you know, kind of follow our interests and develop our skills and uh, use the skills we already have, kind of use our talents and gifts. Um, and they've done some really interesting um, projects, everything coming up with, you know, dance programs for people with developmental disabilities um, to environmental studies, um, you know, you name it. It's, it's across a, a wide range. So I think they're really interesting. And, and they got started much the same way you did with the shadow of student um, experience. Um, in their case, they, uh, the people doing the shadowing were not educators. They were mm-hmm. a diverse section of community members. And I think they had 50 some folks who went through this experience in small cohorts. You know, they got their schedule and they were, went to high school for a day. And then they debriefed and really thought hard about what's the world that we live in as adults? What are the skills and competencies is sort of profile of a graduate conversation. What do we know that, you know, our young people are going to need? What did we see evidence of in our day as a high school student and that got them ready for that? And there was a big, you know, big mm-hmm. gap. Disconnect. Um, disconnect. Um, and so that was the, the impetus. But right off the bat, by 
instead of saying, you know, we are a couple of smart educators with a plan and we're going to start this new high school and it's going to rock. Instead of that, they said, let's have a conversation with our stakeholders. What do we want to prepare our students for? How do we want to do it? Then let's build that together. So they had this like built-in cheering section, (laughs) you know, more than cheering, really some partners and mentors grew out of those um, early conversations. So I think how they've learned to um, partner with their community, lots of lessons there um, that are pretty exciting. I could go on and on, but those are a couple that really stood out to me. And then maybe I'll toss one more in the next, just because I am going to India later today. So it's on my mind, but I've had a long, uh, long long-term now um, consulting work with the American School of Bombay in Mumbai, an international school there. And um, I give them some attention in the book because I think their approach to internal innovation, they have their own internal research and development team um, that runs alongside kind of their their basic operating system. They, They call it a dual operating system. So you need to take care of things like admissions and administration and you know, getting the bills paid, keeping the lights on. You need to take care of the basics of of keeping an institution stable so that teachers and students can show up every day and and experience learning in tandem or in parallel to that. They have this little R&D team, not so little number of people focused on it, kind of scanning the horizon, looking out there about, you know, what's possible? What's out there that's worth paying attention to? Are there ideas that people in our community want to prototype? And they very much use that R&D approach, but it's internal. And I think what's brilliant about their approach is that um, they're not tearing apart school as we know it um, and starting over tomorrow. They're really thinking about, you know, how do we sustain change for the long haul? How do we kind of keep things moving and operating in a way that our, our students are not And teachers, too, are not in constant anxiety about, oh, my gosh, what's next? This was this way yesterday. Today we're in this new world. It's a a very thoughtful approach to innovation. Um, So I think that one is is worth paying. And they've uh, they've self-published some uh, materials that I think are helping a lot of other schools Mm -hmm. think through. How do you um, plan for innovation within a system, you know, your school system, um, and still maintain the the security and Mm -hmm. exactly yeah it's like it's that old metaphor of you know building an airplane um, you know during flight (laughs) but (laughs) what happens when you have a school system and you're looking to introduce some changes you don't you know you can't just pause and say well we're going to take a year off running our school or our school district and start over that's not a reality for most of us you know schools that start from scratch get to go that way but if you're an existing school looking at make change. I think mm-hmm. these guys have some interesting strategies mm-hmm. that work with them. So those are a few. There are many more. <laughs> yes, and many, many more in the book. And <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that we really connect with about the examples that you just shared and many of the other examples in your book is making this connection to one of our curiosities most recently, and that is and leadership. And how does leadership need to change? And I think your book really says that one of the ways that we need to change is we need to not be top down. We need Mm -hmm. to engage the community in the way that we probably want to see the engagement happen in the classroom Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's actually a learning process. So leading from a sort of learning frame where we're engaging those in the community and, and, you know, like the example of Iowa big, they, they didn't like you, so nicely said, they didn't come in and say, we're the educators and here's what we want to do. They basically posed this inquiry 
to their community and engaged them in it and had more ownership. And now they have this rather hugely successful uh, operation on their hands, which is uh, right. something that, that we've looked at uh, and, and pretty inspired by as well and the people that mm -hmm. work there. <laughs> so thinking about um, the leadership in our questions and, you know, how we can engage our community, what are some what kind of some questions that school leaders might ask to understand the best way to engage their community um, in this process? Sure. And, sure. you know, yeah. what are some of the barriers or perceived barriers we might have along the way? Right. Well, I think one of those um, leadership opportunities is realizing that your teachers, of course, are part of your community. And um, just as we're seeing more agency on the part of students and more voice on the part of students, I think um, we're also seeing teachers who are stepping up in all kinds of ways um, to advance uh, their own professional learning, um, to learn what they want to learn. And I think they can be big allies and advocates um, and pioneers in any sort of change initiative. So I think one leadership um, strategy is really um, making sure your teachers are part of your team. Uh, how are you allowing for teacher leadership? I know in your district, you talked about kind of identifying those, those innovators um, um, who we all know are out there, but sometimes they're, they're kind of quiet. They're doing their great work sometimes mm -hmm. under the radar. So one leadership strategy, I think, is to figure out ways to, um, to elevate their voices and their examples. Um, and, I, and I think um, this just kind of willingness to engage in big conversations um, where you might not know what the answer is going to be. And this is just like a teacher going into project-based learning where you don't necessarily know what direction students are going to go or what the evidence of their learning is going to look like or, you know, what they want to produce or advocate for. You know what your goals are, you know, kind of um, you're starting with an end in mind. You want to get somewhere with your students in project-based learning. If you're starting a big conversation with your um, community, you have a reason for doing that. You're not just saying, hey, let's talk about school change. You, you have a, <laughs> something's driving that. Something is catalyzing. Um, and you wanna be able to communicate that. What, why is it that you feel like um, school needs to transform in some way? Um, what's your vision and how can um, you communicate that and bring others into it um, and perhaps be open to ways that they might shape and, and um, adjust your vision. Um, one, another one of the examples in the book is um, Chesterfield County in um, Virginia, and they were at that point where they needed to produce a new strategic plan. You know, their old one was expiring, and it was time to look toward 2020, which was where they were at that point. And instead of doing a traditional, you know, strategic planning committee is going to tackle this, and the board's going to lead the charge, etc., um, they started with community um, um, events and one month it might be a futurist who comes in and talks about his work. Another month it might be a peace activist. Another month I think they had an astronaut. So these different interesting people came in just to stir the pot, sort of get people thinking about not necessarily what should our strategic plan be or where should it go, but what are some interesting ideas that our students are going to be um, exposed to in their lifetimes? You know, what are the changes right ahead of them um, and, and in their, you know, their trajectory as young people that, that we want to help prepare them for? And people came to these because they were really interesting talks. You know, they were kind of your great local events, well attended. They used a lot of social media. 
both to let people know about these events and to connect with the people who showed up. So from the folks who showed up, they found their people to work on their strategic um, planning process because these were people who were interested in getting so you know, that took some leadership on the superintendent's part to realize I'm not necessarily sure where they're going to go with this strategic plan if I you know, open the door to all comers. I have my own sense of where we ought to be going, and I'm certainly going to lead and um, guide the conversation, um, but I'm going to be open to um, other ideas and, and have this sense that we're going to get better results if we're um, you know, more collaborative and more open to um, perspectives, which, mm-hmm. again, things that we want to see in our students. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are um, those are some of the strategies. At the same time, you know, you've got to take care of the daily business <laughs> of running your school system. So I think one of my my favorite um, examples is a superintendent who's, you know, going through the business every day and a snowstorm hits. And, you know, that's the kind of thing you don't necessarily see coming. You have to be ready to, you know, go you might have a plan for your day and it's going to go 10 ways from sideways, you know, by two in the afternoon. So how do you make time to attend to your big vision during the busyness of the day and not get kind of, um, you know, overwhelmed by the details of, of managing. And I, I think um, those are, that's one of the big challenges um, that, that um, finding the sweet spot of managing and leading at the same time, because mm-hmm. they're, different things yeah and from the practitioner's perspective i think we'd agree with that 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 is the leadership (laughs) challenge is how do you balance the day-to-day operations the sort of almost routine or sometimes Mm non-routine along with this forward thinking uh Mm -hmm. and that is as leaders that's something that we struggle with every day and Mm -hmm. you know I, i keep coming back to this idea of leadership too we're talking about transforming our schools and making them something new and different uh, we really need to shift the way that we lead. And I think that mm-hmm. the ideas that you pose in the book with the, with the examples of, of um, what some of the leaders that you talked to did, I think mm-hmm. really helps us as leaders reframe how we might lead this work a little bit differently, that we really can't be as effective if we're going to lead in the same old traditional way that we learned when we took leadership courses in college. Um, right. You know, and again, those... those um, Examples from the world beyond school are instructive too. Um, and I know that um, Google just engaged in a big research project. It was called Project Aristotle about how do you lead um, effective teams? What's the magic? Mm-hmm. What's this? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you followed that. Yeah. It's been really fascinating. And you know, so these are hard questions that um, lots of folks are, are contemplating. And as we can shift into these different ways of working together, working across disciplines, um, having people specialize, but also be able to contribute to a cohesive um, project, you know, together. Um, what are some of the lessons we can learn and um, examples that are out there? So I guess my my approach is, uh, again, going back to my PBL roots, is always to pursue with question, you know. Mm-hmm folks are tackling these questions. How are they figuring this out? And what's worked for you? You know, asking yourself those questions. Um, You know, what are your leadership um, skills that are really working well for you? So, you know, what don't you want to change? Mm -hmm. Um, Where's there room um, perhaps to move a little out of your comfort level if need be and, and try something new? 
Well, this has been a, a really enriching conversation. And again, we really enjoyed your book and think it's uh, a great contribution to the conversation and the work that uh, we practitioners are doing. So thank you. What's next for you? You, you shared with us uh, sort of literally what's next once we finish yeah. the podcast, but is there anything else that you'd like to share? Um, sure. I mean, the other project that um, I'm excited about that I worked on these two books in tandem, which is not something I'd recommend, but <laughs> a little crazy making, but interesting, made for an interesting year of writing. Um, the other book that I just um, published is with co-author um, Stephen Ritz, who's a very dynamic um, educator from the South Bronx. And uh, that book is called The Power of a Plant. It's very much his story. He is one of those transformational um agents in education. Uh, he works in the poorest congressional district, um, you know, in the country, in an area with terrible health outcomes, uh, little if no access to fresh, healthy, affordable food. And so he's wrapped his entire curriculum and um, school around growing and cooking and sharing um, healthy foods. Um, sounds like a simple idea, but huge uh, systemic changes have resulted um, from that idea of literally bringing a garden indoors. He has an indoor farm um, four stories up uh, in a hundred year old building where he's doing remarkable things. So, so that one's just out and it's really exciting. And we've been doing some uh, chats together uh, about that. Um, and for me, that was a great opportunity to do a little bit different kind of writing um, instead of kind of the big survey, as, as I did in All Together Now, talking to lots of folks, this is a chance to really get into one interesting person's story and uh, tell the story of really has uh, what's shaped him as an educator. He's had to um, innovate despite systems that are resistant to innovation. So he has run into barrier after barrier and had to find uh, workarounds and um, places that will, um, you know, accept his ideas, all those sorts of things. So I think there are some interesting leadership lessons there um, as well. Um, so so that, that one just came out as well this summer. And then I'm uh, working with the Buck Institute for Education and where I've been a longtime um, colleague and part of their national faculty, um, just wrapping up a, a book on project-based teaching practices. So we know a lot about project-based learning and how to design for effective projects. What's the teacher doing uh, specifically throughout the project? So that's the, the, uh, the focus of that book, and it'll be out next spring. So just about done with that one. So lots of great opportunities and more to share with us and uh, the learning community. So thank Absolutely. you so much for joining us, Susie. We really appreciate well, your time. Thanks for the invitation and good luck with all the good work that you guys are doing. Thank great you. to chat. Great to reconnect. Thank you. To learn more about Susie's work, um, you as our listeners can visit our show notes. And there are quite a few resources there that we've added as a result of this conversation. Um, the books that Susie uh, mentioned and we mentioned earlier on, also a link to that conversation, Season 2, Episode 30, as well as uh, some of the schools that Susie mentioned, um, Iowa Big, American School of Bombay, and also the Remake Learning Playbook. And I really appreciated hearing about uh, the power of a plant mm -hmm. and your new book coming up because those are two good reasons for us to stay connected. <laughs> Here we go. I'd love to come chat some more. We will do that, definitely. So thank Fantastic. you for being here. Great. Thanks for keeping these conversations going. It's great. Each episode, we leave you with a question or two to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's questions, in your context, which stakeholder groups might you engage immediately? 
And what are your greatest obstacles to transformation in your community? And how might more effective engagement change that? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or just connect with the resources, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season four, episode seven. That's all for this episode. We'll be back soon featuring another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Susie. Thanks, Susie. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Take care, you guys. Bye.